filigree, apogee, pedigree, pedigee. And welcome to a world of magic witches, curious British waifs, Nazis, and tweaked flying LSD-fueled bed frames. Thanks to the Professor Amelius Brown Correspondence College of Witchcraft, you have been carefully chosen to test your apprentice witch abilities through the consumption of alcohol and through the viewing of an otherwise highly underrated classic Disney film on this episode of Nightcaps at the Theater. We are taking a look at none other than Angela Lansbury's winning role in Bedknobs and Broomsticks. Now, as with any of the movies that we watch here on Nightcaps, follow the rules. Drink safely and responsibly, a.k.a. don't roll any ankles while trying to fly your broom in the dead of night, or jump on the nearest bed hoping to soar through the starry skies, and most certainly don't take off all your clothes in the hopes that you have mastered substitutionary locomotion. We assure you the only spell you're under is that of your spirits. Lastly, have fun, sing along, and enjoy an unprepared, mark you, an unprepared night of bobbing along through Portobello Road, Pepperinjai, the Isle of Nabumbu, and your own imagination. With that, let's start the episode. Lakipo, Nickrief, Scrumpet, Leech! <laughs> to a new episode of Nightcaps at the Theater. Some may say a surprise episode, as if by magic we've been fated to meet. <laughs> I'm, don't touch my knob, Jonathan Kwiatkowski. And who am I with? I'm, uh, I'm Dan Ryan, and I'm uh, very wary of the Nazis, so. Yes, the Nazis. And I'm Grant Faroak, and that's the name I came with. Oh my goodness, guys, you may remember Dan from our Digimon episode, <laughs> and then we've talked about Grant on the podcast before. And here he is. Yeah, we've name dropped him many the times. The raccoon so, yeah. lover himself, Grand Faroque. <laughs> what have you been saying about well, him? You've listened to our Pom Poco episode. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, that was quite an episode. I know, and who else but here would have a raccoon fan be, right? That sounds to make any sense, but whatever. Anyways, um, we're going to be watching Disney's seminal classic, Bedknobs and Broomsticks. And I don't think it's ever been referred to as a seminal classic before. Well, I've called it that. Yes. Um, but yeah. before we get there, I like to do a little on-the-spot interview with any new guests that concern movies. And Grant, you happen to be the newest guest here. So, uh, what kind of movies are you into? Who's your favorite director? What, what have you been into recently? Mm. No right, no wrong answer. Mm. We just like a little profile on this, well, that's this a good podcast. Question. Yeah. I kind of like all sorts of things. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see. Favorite director? Well, I don't know. You I don't, don't know, know if I have one. Yes. I've been put on the spot. Yeah. Do you like any movies? (laughs) No. (laughs) Well, damn. That's the right answer, though. Good night, everyone. (laughs) No, I like, um, I tend to like uh, sci-fi type stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, I like Disney movies. I like corny old musicals (laughs) like this. Hmm. Corny? (laughs) Angela Lansbury's rolling around in her non-existent grave yet. Corny is a, a... (laughs) <laughs> stretch it's for a, this movie uh, I was gonna say it's not the worst thing you could call this movie <laughs> there's a lot worse you can call it but um yeah you know alright 
And you just saw Knives Out recently. Sure, That's sure your did. most recent movie. How'd yeah. you enjoy it? I, I, I liked it. It uh... Was it better than Bedknobs? <laughs> well, <laughs> well, I mean, there are a few things that are better than Bedknobs and Broomsticks, mm-hmm. but that was good. It was uh, kind of a whodunit mm-hmm. sort of thing. There were a lot of twists and turns that I weren't expecting. Yeah. And uh, had a good cast. Yeah. I enjoyed it. As we were discussing, I think Ryan Johnson should be forgiven. Nothing to forgive him. There's nothing to forgive him for. <laughs> Movies are, are an experience. Well, I think this, I don't want to go down a Star Wars tangent. I'm the Lorax and I speak for the internet. <laughs> <laughs> That's me. Um, anyways, before we get to bed knobs and broomsticks, uh, usually I'm far more prepared. Uh, not unprepared, as we'll get to later on in this movie. <laughs> but uh, I got um, that reference. <laughs> I, I do like to prepare notes, but I unfortunately, since it was so out of the blue, that I our, think we know everything there is to know. About yes, this movie, I, so. I think we are the three most, the most knowledgeable. knowledgeable. Uh, there might be our friend Joy Robustus, who might be equally as knowledgeable as us. But that could be. Yeah, and Dan's watched this movie one time. <laughs> But we've I, talked about it enough that well, you're probably an expert. Yeah, so I am the novice here, but I've probably seen this movie more than most people have <laughs> because, you know. Mm. And I've, I've done research into it, uh, you know, again, at the behest of the other two gentlemen at this table. So, yes. I, I, you know, I, I'm very happy to be included. So It's strictly recommended that you view this movie to be included <laughs> in our, um, you know, Are You Afraid of the Dark uh, Midnight Society circle. Well, if we have to bleep it out, but it is on Disney Plus at the moment, so if we can say that, if the mouse, but well, we're giving we're giving them free advertising. So. Yeah. yeah, but we had curse, cuss words in our podcast. <laughs> no, I don't think the mouse likes those. Uh, anyways, I've got a few notes stolen directly from Wikipedia tonight. No effort was spared for this. Uh, so let's begin with a bit of bed knobs and broomsticks history. So sit back and listen, shall you? Uh, English author Mary Norton published her first children's book, The Magic Bed Nub, in 1943. <laughs> in August 1945, Variety magazine reported that Walt Disney had purchased the film rights to the book. Norton then published Bonfires and Broomsticks in 1947, and the two children's books were then combined into Bed Knobs and Broomsticks in 1957. During the negotiations for the film rights to Mary Poppins with P.L. Travers... Oh, that's a sad movie, Grant. Oh, 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 oh that, we'll save that one for another day. Oh, but that one makes me cry. I, I, yes. That one also makes me cry. Daddy just wanted to be a good He was an alcoholic. He just wanted her to have good... And we'll be alcoholics soon when we watch this movie. Uh, so, with P.L. Travers in 1961, a film adaptation of Bed Knobs and Broomsticks was suggested as an alternative project. We can only imagine <laughs> where it would have went if... <laughs> This came before Mary Poppins. I think Julie Andrews would be on like the street selling coke somewhere. Taking the world by the, that alternate timeline. It's you know the man in the high castle, if you will. So. Yeah. Um, when the nego- negotiations stalled, Disney instructed the Sherman Brothers to begin working on the project. Uh, during a story conference with producer Bill Walsh and writer Don DeGrady, um, as the Sherman Brothers were singing along to Eglantine, Walt fell asleep in his chair. <laughs> When uh, Disney purchased the rights to Mary Poppins, the project was shelved, as it rightfully should have been. (laughs) But thank God. In spring 1966, the Sherman brothers resumed their work on Ben Knobs and Broomsticks, but the project was shelved again due to the similarities with Mary Poppins. As the Sherman brothers' contract with the Disney Studios was set to expire in 1968, they were contacted by Bill Walsh in their office to start work on the film. Then Walsh, DeGrady, and the Sherman brothers reassembled to work on the storyline for several months, Although there was no plan to put the film into production at the time, Walsh promised the Sherman brothers that 
He would call them back to the studio and finish the project, which he eventually did in November 1969. So this movie's been put on the shelf a couple more times than I thought. Um, Throughout 1970 and 1971, the Sherman Brothers reworked their musical compositions for the film. The song, The Beautiful Bryony, was originally written for Mary Poppins. For when Mary spins a compass, sending the Banks children into several exotic locations. I think we saw part of that in In uh, Mary Mary Poppins Poppins Returns. Returns. Yeah, but no racism. This movie does contain some uh, <laughs> some racism. Are we talking about Portobello Road? Mm, we'll, oh, wow. we'll get there. <laughs> but it was later used in Ben Knobs and Broomsticks and said. So casting. Leslie Caron, Lynn Redgrave, Judy Card, and Julie Andrews were all considered for the role of Eglin Price. Julie Andrews realized it, this was not a good <laughs> Julie, for her star. Julie Andrews shook her head and said, no, thank you. Um, Andrews was initially offered the part, but hesitated, as she should. Walsh later contacted Angela Lansbury, who signed <laughs> onto the role on October 31st, 1969. So Halloween of... The 69, <laughs> she wrote her name down. Without even reading the script. Yeah. <laughs> That's so um, she <laughs> Yeah, shortly after, Andrews contacted Walsh again, only to learn that Lansbury had been cast. Although Peter uh, Ustinov was considered, Ron Moody was originally slated as Emilius Brown, but he refused to star in the film unless he received top billing, which the studio would not allow. He was ultimately replaced by David Tomlinson, who does a great job in this film. Mm-hmm. Uh, the three Rollins children, yes, they have names too, Charlie, Carrie, and Paul were played by Ian Wayhill, Cindy O'Callaghan, an, an Irish girl, yeah. <laughs> Good. Know her, and Roy Snart, respectfully. Roy Snart? Roy Snart. Hmm. Snart. Uh, Wayhill Snart. had previously dropped out of school and began his acting career in an uncredited role as a schoolboy in David Copperfield, 1969. He auditioned before Disney Talent Scouts for one of the child roles in Bedknobs and Broomsticks in London and was cast as Charlie. Prior to Bedknobs, Snart was a child actor, appearing in numerous commercials, and was cast as Paul for his impish, cheeky look. For the part of Carrie, O'Callaghan explained that casting directors trawled schools looking for children with London accents. Oh boy. (laughs) I I was asked to attend an audition at Pinewood where... Oh, sorry, I have to speak... I was asked to attend an audition at Pinewood... Oh, that's more Australian, but... eh, Where I had to stand up and tell a funny story. I talked about how horrible my older brothers were to me. I was a big fan of Mary Poppins and couldn't believe I was going to be in a Disney film. Question. When you just read the word horrible there, was it horrible. spelled as no, I, apostrophe I, O? No, it should be if okay. I was doing it phonetically, but right. I, I took the liberty and misplaced the H and just right. said horrible. Yes, that is. Well, you've been playing through Pokemon Swords, so if anything, you'd be familiar with British culture at this point, so. I know, right? <laughs> you know, that last town does look a little like London. I'll give it that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, filming. Filming took place at the Disney Studios in Burbank, California from early March to June 10th, 1970. The coastal scenes featuring Nazi soldiers were shot on location at a nearby California beach. Additional scenes were shot on location in Corfe Castle in Dorset, England. Filming lasted 57 days while the animation and special effects required five months each to complete. Um, for the Nabumbu soccer sequence, the sodium vapor process was used which was developed by Petro Vlahos in the 1960s. Animator and director Ward Kimball served as the animation director over the sequence. Directing animator Milk Call had designed the characters but was angered over the inconsistencies in the character animation. This prompted Kimball to send a memo dated on September 17, 1970 to adhere to animation cohesiveness to the animation staff. Because of the heavy special effects, the entire film had to be storyboarded in advance, shot for shot, in which Lansbury noted her acting was very by the numbers. 
And then lastly, the critical reaction. <laughs> Vincent Canby of the New York Times wrote that the film is a tricky, cheerful, aggressively friendly Walt Disney fantasy for children who still find enchantment for pop-up books, plush animals, but Steph and dreams of independent flight. Who doesn't? Well, <laughs> have you ever worked for Disney? <laughs> Zing. Uh, he further highlighted the Nabumbo live-action animated sequence as the best of Disney going back all the way to the first Silly Symphonies. Variety also praised the Nabumbo sequence... Can I take a shot every time I say Nabumbo sequence? Well, we're, we're saving that yeah, for later. Yes, uh, as not only sheer delights, but technical masterpieces. Roger Ebert of the Chicago Sun-Times awarded the film two and a half stars out of four <laughs> and claimed while the film has the same technical skill and professional polish as Mary Poppins, it doesn't have much of a heart, though. And toward the end, you wonder why the Poppins team thought kids would like it much. Uh, Gene Siskel of the Chicago Tribune gave it two stars out of four and called it a mismatch of story ideas and film stylings, adding, the difference between scenes of seahorses and stormtroopers is so great that probably no story could manage it. Bedknobs tries and fails. Now we're talking about the Nazi stormtroopers. It took me a second. I, um, did you get that parallel? Not yeah. the Star Wars. Not the Star Wars stormtroopers. Well, this would have been like, would this have been very early for Siskel and Ebert? You know, before they I teamed up and were myself. bros. I don't but, know. I'm not an almanac, but we can... We this can is 1969, right? Yeah. They would have been youngins. Well, not They're, by their... St they were always old men, but... Dead, <laughs> so. They were born old, much like Angela Lansbury. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Solder and... Uh, what's it? Walder and... Stetler and Walder. Stetler and Walder. Uh, Pauline Kael, reviewing for The New Yorker, panned the film, writing it has no logic in the style of the movie, and the story dribbles on for so long that it exhausts the viewer before the final magical battle begins. She concluded her review claiming the whole production is a mixture of wizardry and ineptitude. The picture has enjoyable moments, but it's as uncertain of itself as the title indicates. Charles Kaplan of the Los Angeles Times wrote that the film was pleasant enough and harmless enough. It is also long, almost two hours and slow. The songs are perfunctory, nothing supercalifragile, <laughs> whatever. And the visual trickeries, splendid as they are, are sputtery to get the picture truly airborne. By the standards Disney has set for itself, it's a disappointing endeavor. The review aggregator website Rotten Tomatoes reported that the film has an approval rating of 66%, with an average rating of 6.15 out of 10 from 32 reviews. And then lastly, the most important note, the best special effects, visual effects Academy Award went to Bedknobs and Broomsticks in the year 1972. Hmm. Oh, it was 1972. Yes. I it, you said 1969. It was in production hell for, oh, gotcha. for a good long while. So well, after those glowing reviews, aren't you excited to watch Bedknobs and Broomsticks? I'm excited, but do we want to discuss why this movie in the first place? Yes, perhaps we, perhaps we should. Yes. So, I don't know about Dan, but one day I was in the computer lab in high school, just minding my own business, you know, searching up sites, as I do, <laughs> and uh, I heard... From the corner of the room, someone mentioned one of my favorite films of all time, Bed Knobs and Broomsticks, and immediately I got up out of the chair and rushed over to see what was the matter. And it was me. It was Grant and One Joy Robustus, and I said, <laughs> people do care about the things I care about, because this well, was probably the most... I, I watched this movie too much. I actually watched this movie a lot as a kid. Yeah. I, I do genuinely enjoy it. Oh. Um, but yeah, no, uh, I was convinced that I was the only person who had ever seen this movie because mm -hmm. nobody had ever, like, <laughs> that I had ever talked to had ever uh, seen this movie yeah. except uh, Joy. And 
And, yeah, you... and not only that, but we could quote it verbatim. So oh, I, I was know, like, yeah. this was my After the Battle of Yavin, Dan. <laughs> uh, well, <laughs> even, yeah, yeah, again, uh, yes. our, our, our different pasts have brought us to this point. So yes. what, yeah. And then we strapped Dan down and forced him to watch it one day. Yeah, that, that is how that played out. I mean, I was excited to finally see this <laughs> mythical entity that Grant and Jonathan had built up over the years that I had known them. But, uh, I mean, it, I, I did end up... Uh, Again, this is one of those movies that's colored by my experiences with it, which is just with with these guys. So mm-hmm. it it uh, colored how what colored how positively colored positively <laughs> only only in a positive light. Um, but yeah, no. So I again, it was it was only I want to say within I don't know five years ago. Oh yeah, it was probably when five was it? Yeah, it, was, it wasn't. We were what, still. When you actually watched it? Yeah, because yeah, it would have been with you two. We, so. It wasn't high school. It was like early college. Oh, yeah. Maybe it was one of those summers. <laughs> we were all in of our youths, yeah. <laughs> uh, but it was good times to be had all around, and yeah. it's always a fun visit. Um, I haven't watched this since the last time we've watched it. Yeah. And there is a reason for that. Grant and I have uh, taken the liberty to creating the unofficial bed knobs and broomsticks drinking game. That it's, pre- it's pretty much just start drinking <laughs> and, and don't, don't stop, stop until the movie the ends. But if you want to join along, don't because you'll probably die. But we will provide the rules as we go through the movie's plot after watching the motion picture. Okay. Yes. So it, we're not, okay. Yeah, we're, we're gonna. Don't we're gonna work. go over the rules. Oh, now. we're gonna go over the rules off camera. But as oh. we talk, we'll bring uh, up, you know, gotcha. moments of the plot where we may have taken a drink or two. Mm-hmm. Well, with that, children, get on the bed. Dan, touch me, Nom! Give it a twist. <laughs> Give it a twist. Let's get bobbing along. We'll see you after well, the break. Well, we have to, we have to uh, do a psychedelic dream sequence. Oh, yeah. Do, 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 do. Oh, wait, that's Peter Pan. I forget the melody. Eh. Oh, well. Well, well. Well, I don't... In- Dan, ask Dan. I don't You'll remember any- in a moment. <laughs> yeah, I don't insert any I, I, sound effects I, I, on this do, podcast. Do, do, do. Yeah, there we go. See the raccoon the in the sound booth is, you know, uh, I don't know. Uh, He's just motioning for us to... <laughs> <laughs> wrap it up Vamp, come on. Yeah. We'll see you after the break, audience. think of your second second viewing of bed knobs and broomsticks well this this film definitely warrants a second viewing i noticed countless details that i would never have noticed on the first <laughs> round picking up on some of the twists and <laughs> the background <laughs> imagery the, the, the foreshadowing of course uh, we were watching bed knobs and broomsticks some may say for the last time before oh. we go oh. Oh, before we go? Well, well, well before, yeah. you know, the world takes us. We usually wait a good five years before we rewatch this movie for good reason. Yeah, I think you can only... <laughs> Stand so much. Yeah. Um, for a two-hour movie, it sure does drag. Um, but before we got into that, we also had a drinking game provided that we will update the rules as we go through our notes. <laughs> and our drinks today, usually we have a theme drink, but really it was just, come as you are <laughs> today. We couldn't really get sloshed, and I think... Angela Lansbury only has, like, one glass of wine in this film, so... At least. Behind the scenes, we don't know. <laughs> yeah. While filming, she was <laughs> off her rocker, wasted. Um, before we get into the movie, though, I have to start with that DVD menu. <laughs> to open oh. up the film. 
Yeah, for, no. for those of you streaming via mm-hmm. Disney Plus, you miss out on the the DVD menu, which is a treat. <laughs> uh, which is some uh, some clip art of the of the main cast and the the bed. Some stock, uh, <laughs> some stock promo footage, footage but cut as, out and as, flying around. As the boys pointed out, it does have some animation, uh, you know, flowing through the fabric. <laughs> so as it's Graham not. Out, it's like this is shit, but it is the award winner. For it is animated. <laughs> Academy Award winner. Well, in 1972. Well, I think it would have gotten it for the DVD menu as well. If DVDs existed in 1972. I believe so. Yes. Um, those are my roles. What so. edition is this? <laughs> I think it's like the the fun time edition. <laughs> the fun oh, time. I sure had a fun time. Yes. Um, so as I usually do before I ever watch this movie, I check to see if Angela Lansbury was dead, and luckily for us, she is not yet. Um, she still has a lot more kick in her, but you know, if it happens, like I said, our podcast ratings are gonna plummet or rise. <laughs> Either way. <laughs> Knock on wood. But we don't have Angela's legs here. We can't knock on her wood. <laughs> oh, we joke, but we love her. Um, so we get into the opening, which is this medieval tapestry set to um, a pastiche of music soon to be experienced. Now, to the observant viewer, you'll see, you'll see all of the events of the film in this one opening sequence. Yes. Spoiling everything that is to come. <laughs> Well, kind of leaving, like, the last ten minutes of the cliffhanger, you spoil right in the, the movie. Yeah. It's well. just the Nazis versus uh, Eglantine Price. That's true. You don't know who wins. Yeah, because so. you would figure bullets versus this one old woman. Bullets would surely win. Well, John, don't, didn't many of our uh, Miyazaki movies start with tapestries oh, yeah, they also? Did. Is, they it, pr- did, is it yes. possible that uh, yeah. this was influenced? Yeah. Which Miyazaki? Like uh, all of the original yeah, ones, like Nausicaa, Castle in the Sky, Nausicaa, uh, they all start with tapestries. Mm-hmm. Tapestries. <laughs> yes, um, and we find out that there's a Nazi invasion going on, guns versus magic I put down, um, and then we open on the White Cliffs of Dover and we get this narration for no reason, like it was the best of times, it was the worst it's of like times. It's like a Star Wars opening crawl, but, <laughs> <laughs> but not, only, not as exciting. Only two paragraphs, and they constantly pronounce it Nazi instead of Nazi. And we see that they're blacking out the signs to prevent the Nazi, like to just cause general confusion, I guess, because no one knows where they're going. More to provide an inconvenience to the locals than. Yeah, well, doesn't this sergeant ask like which way to Pepper and Giant? He's like, I can't tell you, sir. You might be a Nazi. Well, we jest, but I feel like that was probably a real thing. No, I, like I it feel was like, like it's a real thing too, but because I, I mean, I, I even I know Britain is like small comparably, but I know that if I tried to navigate it. There's Shropshire and Birmingham, like You don't know where you're going. Yeah. So if you, it's all just fields and trees, so you don't know where you're going. <laughs> yeah. So um, these orphans are being shipped off to the countryside because mm. life sucks in London. Well, there's bombs dropping. So. Yes, that yeah. too. And um, but the three worst orphans, or three most annoying orphans, are young Carrie, Charles, and Paul. And no Ringo star, unfortunately. <laughs> no Yoko's come to break up the band yet. But these orphans are in, like, this museum housing all of the ancient relics that is Pepper and Jai's well, to the observant viewer, Well, to the observant viewer, you'll notice that Pepper and Jai has this old dilapidated castle, which one would assume that the locals have set up some sort of museum to honor their heritage. But they had a lot of different heritage in the end of yeah, the they movie. Yeah, they had, like, they're French and... In... That's also true. <laughs> they're going <laughs> many so, regions. So who knows what's going on. Yes. Um, and, uh, we get the old home guard outside, this bunch of old folks who are stationed to protect Pepper and Jai from evildoers Presumably and mischief. Presumably have served in World War One. 
Well, they're old enough. <laughs> they they yeah. weren't expecting a two. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think it's partly a good or bad idea that we're sending these old people off to fight because they look like they don't have a few more years left. In them. Uh, they weren't fighting. They were just like the. They were they were like. You're the, right. They weren't fighting because some of them the, were just carrying shovels. They were local <laughs> militia. Yeah, yeah. It, <laughs> they're totally legal. minding the the whole the home guard. That's <laughs> <laughs> they're minding the home, um, and. Uh, who should come into the scene on her magical motorbike spewing mustard gas? None other than the prime bitch herself, Angela Lansbury, as the baddest bitch in Disney cinema. Eglantine <laughs> Price. Price. First name Eglantine, last name Price. <laughs> um, but she has shown up to the post office to this one, I don't even know her name, she's like the old town mother that's yeah. just there watching the children. and She, she distributes the children. And she, she, each house gets one child. <laughs> Well, she gave out 45 that day, I think. Yeah, so the, just the she, Ryan household, she, and the Ryans <laughs> get 45 children. She was a little overworked that day. Yeah, and she's also like the postmistress, because she goes in there and gives the package out. She does a lot well. Well, again, we, yeah. including the old homegirl, we see like, I don't know, 10 residents in total of this yeah, town. So priest, this old woman, and just the old people. Yeah, so. A surprisingly young priest. Yeah. Like just moved in. Just just got out of the Saw Eglantide and wanted to put a ride on that room. A little piece of that, actually. <laughs> so Angela is expecting this large package from her correspondence of witchcraft. And we, I mean, there are some jokes made about what the package could be, but since there are probably children listening to this podcast. <laughs> to, to modern audiences. Yes. <laughs> there might be a joke in there somewhere, but we'll leave that for the audience to fill in. Um, she's taking this witch correspondence course with Professor Amelius Brown in London. And she seems to be, you know, a very busybody. I've got work to do. I can't be, be seen around town with you. And we don't know what work she's doing. Like, Well, no. Well, well it's it's left to a mystery. But is what, this is this, a, yeah, what, what is this spell that she's trying to conjure up to save the, the war or to contribute to the war effort? Yeah. And, you know, instead of finally contributing to the war effort, she's saddled with these three stupid children instead. Mm-hmm. And she uh, puts them on the back of her motorbike and says, I guess I have to bite this bullet and take these kids in with me. There are no seatbelts on this motorbike. <laughs> she just takes just hang off. on. Um, um, but, you know, the priest and the old woman in town kind of talk her into it. Like, it's for the good of the children. She's like, oh, I'd rather consult my dark arts anyway, but I'll do what needs to be done. Because, you know, she's very, you know, in her morals for the English way, I feel. Like, dedicated to home and country. Mm-hmm. And queen. We don't see any queen. <laughs> No, no she's not mentioned. Than, other than Angela. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> so she arrives at her palatial country house estate. Palatial. Yeah, well, it's nice. Oh, yeah, it's not bad. <laughs> for a single, for a bachelorette, a for widow. The, for the set that we see. Is we... she a widow? <laughs> I think we're meant to assume. The widow price. <laughs> well, no, because we see a, a, a portrait of a... Of a man. Or, or, a man. It could be her dad, though. Maybe, but... I always thought she had a husband that died in World War One. Mm, perhaps in the sequel. <laughs> How many layers is this? <laughs> How deep does this? I've watched go? this movie many times. Yes, um, I said it looked like the set of Bewitched. This viewing because I just noticed that, and she's got a little cat. She's got like a little cat. Cosmic Creepers. Yeah, because that's the name he came with. Name he came with. Yeah, and he seems real pissed off at these children. So we oh, know he's got a good head on his shoulders. <laughs> um, and the children instantly. They're like, I fucking hate this place. She's making us watch for dinner, and they're instantly plotting murder slash escape, trying to kill Angela herself. Yeah. No fried foods. No Instead, fried, it's, no it's stewed nettles and uh, uh, porridge. I don't know. Put up seeds. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, flax. Might, yeah, well, they want <laughs> bangers and mash, bobble and squeak, toad in the owl, all that. I mean, if anyone wants to fill us in on what some of those, well, I believe you knew. Toad in the what... hole is sausage and like a, a pastry. Hmm. Uh, bobble and squeak, I think, is... Sausage and some other form Yeah, of and then bangers and mash is just potatoes and, and So sausage. all sausage. Sausage based <laughs> foods. Hmm. It seems, perhaps the listeners can correct me, but it seems like most. What British, listeners? <laughs> no one listens to this podcast. Most British foods consist of sausage, sausage. potatoes, and gravy in some fashion. Yep. That's all we see. So. Yep. Um, but Angela reminds the children that she has very good ears and that. There'll be no escaping, um, but I have much work to do tonight, so... Yeah, the writers established yeah. early on that one of Angela's powers is that she has a good hearing. Yeah. It doesn't really pay off. She has a good in memory, that's for sure. Well, that's also established. Yep. We'll get to that. Yes. Uh, so she she uh, tucks the children in and makes sure that they're asleep, and then she runs on down to the basement and locks the door. Again, to the modern viewer, you can... <laughs> to the modern viewer you, you can uh, fill in some jokes there oh yeah there's there's many jokes. she holds She's the package up to her face and yeah, strokes it, so. it and well, she, heavily. She, she puts the kids to bed and then she, they, she lights up with excitement as she races down <laughs> on her 26 year old legs to unwrap that, that package that she's been waiting days for well we couldn't determine how old she is in this movie because Angela Lansbury is like ni- late 90s now the long <laughs> and she looks exactly the same oh well she was born old yeah. I'm convinced that she, yeah. she came out of the womb looking yeah. like a 35 year old well woman. no her first movie Gaslight she looks exactly the same and it's a black and white movie <laughs> and she's playing at like 19 she looks 1921 <laughs> so you know that British don't crack <laughs> no, it just ages really quickly and then plateaus yeah, oh, yeah. plateaus <laughs> So she's running down, and it turns out that she's, I can't work this up. Yeah. A, uh, I can't roll my R's. A broom. With a, oh, yeah. <laughs> That's a, one of our drinking rules yes. that we added for this viewing was yes. <laughs> drink every time she rolls her R's. Yep. Broom. Broom. <laughs> you know, she's at last become an apprentice witch. <laughs> and she uh, is, is trying to learn how to, to ride this broom while Cosmic Creepers is sitting there staring at her like... Bitch, you ain't getting that thing off the ground. She tries to ride it side saddle, and that doesn't work. Like a lady, and then but we do get some prime Angela acting and spassing out over the handle of the broom, like, oh lord, it's, it's getting <laughs> out of control. You just take that little shot uh, out of context. And... <laughs> there's a lot of memes in this oh, the, movie. There's a lot of me for for the memers out there. There's a lot of meme potential in this. <laughs> I think I think we should start the trend because I still don't think people have watched this. Well, when we get to the knob stuff. Then... <laughs> <laughs> we'll get there put your knob away don't put the cart before the horse <laughs> got my knob out too soon oh. <laughs> Angela then proceeds to, to green screen off into the night air well blue screen in that era I hate you Rear so projection, much. whatever yeah. Yeah. She, she the superman up. flying she's on She's on winches being pulled out into the night air as Cosmic Creature. And she she has a very, uh, I would say, sexual experience on this broom. She is constantly just enthralled. We'll get, we'll get to the modern viewer. You can be enthralled. 
<laughs> I did say this was good that it didn't act like a, the Vavitch, you know, because she would have to put an ungeon on the broom well, made of dead babies. Well, she could have killed Paul. Killed Paul there. <laughs> yeah, Paul. We would have been better off for it. <laughs> Paul. Well, I think Charles is the most annoying. Carrie gets a pass because, well, well, you know. But the, Paul is the most youthful. Yeah. And they're full of yeah. the best for fly. They are. <laughs> for the modern audience, they, they can know. For the uh, A23 crowd. A24. A24. A23. That's a knockoff porn Slow company. burn psychological horror. A23. Bed knobs and broomsticks. Oh my god, can you imagine? An, A- an A24 retelling of it. <laughs> Bed knobs and broomsticks? We could do it. Do you think that um, uh, Robert Eggers would direct? Oh, yeah. <laughs> He'll have a, a speech about Neptune in yes. there. <laughs> So, these children wake Why'd up. Why'd you spill like, your beans? Why'd you spill your, your beans, sausage. Paul? <laughs> You're toting the old You're Paul. T- uh, but these children wake up with a plan. They get up at the crack of, you know, 12 midnight. And they're like, okay, we're out of here. Bye, bitch. <laughs> they're climbing out the window. And uh, who do they see uh, promenading in the moonlight? None other than Angela Lansbury. Um, against the moonlit sky and she's not doing a very good job and she takes a nosedive and a tumble to the ground as these children watch and don't even try to help her they're just like eh. it's alright she lands in a bush and it's perfectly alright <laughs> that hair cushions the bro- blow many times in this movie that 60's beehive yeah. so I don't think you could kill a witch I don't think you could kill it I, I guess it was set in the 40's so yeah well anyway well, they find out, and you know, Charles gets an idea in him next day at dinner. He goes, hey, Miss Price, what were you doing? Uh, how'd you roll your ankle in the moonlight? And she's like, oh, it's from all that rough lovemaking I was <laughs> in my boudoir last with night. My new, with the package I received <laughs> yeah, that, yesterday. With that new mystery package. Again, for the modern viewer. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I do love, this is my one good Charles moment. He pulls out the broken broom just behind him, and I, I was like... <laughs> How long was that there? Where was he keeping that thing? It's a large broom, by the way. <laughs> Snapped in twain. And, uh, you know, these children are trying to blackmail Eglantine Price, and Eglantine Price is like, I don't think that's a wise decision for you. And, you know, Carrie and Paul are like, Charlie, you need, a, you need to stop out. This is a witch. She can mess around. And she's like, how would you feel if I turned you into a toad? A toad. <laughs> toad with pink eyes. Yes. Specifically pink eyes. A pink-eyed toad. Pink-eyed toad. And uh, she uh, takes out her uh, transformation spell. Four words. Filigree. Apogee. Pedigree. Pedigree? Pedigree? Perigee. Perigee. Oh, I feel like Eglantine Price with these four (laughs) words. Life imitates art. Yeah, she can never get them right. She always has them written down. And she turns Charlie into a, a, a rabbit. And he runs about as cosmic creepers, gives chase, and pursues. Natural enemies, rabbits and cats. <laughs> rabbits, cats, and raccoons. The vicious cycle continues. Symbolism. Yeah, and I, I also love how Eglantine and the children never do anything to help. They just stand on the sidelines and watch everything happen around them. I'm just like, eh, it'll all blow up. They're very, yeah, they're very <laughs> passive, passive viewers. Well, with all the, like, you know, the, the nonsense behind the scenes that you, you know, the development oh, yeah, is the, like, the, the actors were, past. the actors were never on set at the same time, so the shots were very creative. <laughs> you know, it was all assembled in post. <laughs> <laughs> they had to get Angela just drunk enough to get out of the trailer <laughs> to remember her lines. Just drunk enough to honor her contract. <laughs> <laughs> um, so... 
That turns out not to work because Charlie turns back at the last second, but they realize that she's a real witch, even though Charlie is still like, I don't believe it. Anyone <laughs> could still turn me into a bleeding rabbit. They're strangely unfazed by the fact that she's an actual witch who can do, like, real spells. Magic, yeah. Well, it's not the most... She uses this one spell and, like, two others, and that's all she's got. Yeah, it's like a Harry Potter and Expelliarmus. Yep. Yep. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> but that's his signature spell. That and like expecto patronum. patronum. Yep. <laughs> that's it. That's all he does. The whole series. <laughs> well, he has Hermione for a reason. <laughs> She's got all the other spells. <laughs> he uses a lot in the video games. The blast uh, ended Scroots. Oh man. Um but uh they proceed to Mrs. Price's basement. <laughs> We get the poison dragon's liver. Mm-hmm. Was it the dragon that was poisoned or just the liver? And she goes, well, that's the way it came. So The world may never know. <laughs> Very encapsulation of British humor in this scene. <laughs> but, uh, Words that are <laughs> mean. Yeah. As a reward for servicing her dark master, she offers them a traveling spell. And she, I need something to turn or tweak. And I go, will my nipples work this price? <laughs> No, Jonathan weird. in the scene. <laughs> yeah. He ad libbed them. <laughs> in the moment, they cut it out from the, the final reel. <laughs> but I can only imagine. There's a lot of sexual innuendo in this movie, is what we're saying. Well, for the modern viewer. Yes. And uh, she goes, No, uh, uh, Paul, empty your poppies. Poppets. Empty your poppets. Poppets. Wrong, that's a crucible. I empty your pockets, and he goes, you know, I got a lovely bit of strings, some blue glass. A shiv. A shiv, and this lovely knob that I found on the bed. She's like, oh, that'll work perfectly. Your knob will be just perfect for now, what we need. For our American listeners, <laughs> I, I do believe that in in uh, in England, yes. knob is slang for penis. This would be so great. Well, is, that the, is that the first time the word penis has been said on this podcast? I don't know. It might be a. No, is the for, streamer going to drink? For well, our I don't anime, know. but not Okay, yeah, no, yeah, okay. We're good. We've done that before. The banner just. Penis? The balloons <laughs> drop. <laughs> We've done it a thousand penises on this podcast. Congrats. Um, but. There's tons of knob humor, and they knew what they were doing. It might have made, meant a different thing in the 70s or the 40s when this book was written. Well, I, gotta, I gotta think not even then. <laughs> like, you know, I mean, how many, I mean, I feel like certain, you know, jokes like that have been, you know, they've been around for a long time. I, they had to think that a knob would, But know? I also think there was a much more mature viewer back then. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, no, no. I don't know either, but only Paul can use this spell for some stupid reason because they gave the dumbest one the spell to use. I don't know. I don't know because it's, it's, it's his knob. Well, yeah. No, it, technically he stole it from her. It's her knob. She's playing knob. along. That's her <laughs> knob. She had two. She had two knobs. Yeah. <laughs> it's, her it's her she... bed. It's her bed frame. We don't know that's her house. <laughs> that's true. She could be squatting like Mr. Brown. In the well, house. Hold on, we're getting ahead of ourselves. Yes. Um, so she has no money. She's not a rich. Have you ever heard of a rich witch? Before? <laughs> yeah, we, we, we got that uh, plot hole out of the way. Yeah. Why, know, she, why didn't she's she not conjure up her own philosopher's her own. stone? Yeah. Um, but she must go to London and she immediately asks for a favor. Paul, give me the knob that I just gave you. No, it's me, knob. You can't have it. She's like, well, Paul, come over here and sits him down in the chair. Well, if we're if we're looking at this from a from a wider lore standpoint, 
It would make sense. It would make sense. Which we can only do. On it would this make podcast. sense that the, the, the professor was telling her that uh, magic people can't conjure money because she probably sent him checks. <laughs> so, <laughs> this you know, is true. It would. Yeah. She. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. No, that's, yeah. A, that's a hot take. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take that to the boards. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, Rick failed to realize that we're the only ones on the Ben Hobbs and Broomsticks Reddit. A thousand <laughs> updates. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what would it be? It would be. Uh, up, up, up dudes. Up thousand knob turns. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, 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 I would say a quarter turn to the knob. <laughs> to the right of the knob. Oh, man. Uh, so there's no money that got to go to London. And um, we get the immortal line, what's that got to do with my knob? And we just love it. <laughs> now and that has, no memers out there, that has meme, meme potential. potential. GIFs, GIFs, all the internet rounds. No, it's just a still image it's with this, the subtitle. What is that? Listen, okay, I did see this on Twitter, and it was brought up, and I forgot to share. I might have shared it in one chat, but they did have this exact thing, and it was like, guys, today. And that was it. What's that got to do with my knob? Yeah. So I did see that on Twitter. Someone beat us to the punch, but I did retweet it a couple of months ago when I did see it. Um, but we find out that Eglantine Price's real motive is she wants to end the war by getting this last spell, and we're piecing together the mystery that isn't a mystery. She doesn't really tell us what it's for, but she needs to get the, the last spell from um, Brown in London. So they mm-hmm, mm-hmm. they go hop on the bed. <laughs> oh, I think <laughs> Children, we get in the bed. We forgot to mention that uh, she receives a letter from Amelia oh, Brown yes. that the uh, correspondence course is ending because of the war. Yes. So then she's like, oh, no, well, we got to go see him. We got to get this spell. <laughs> Let's go on to London. Yeah. And it just adds uh, smoke and logs to your check theory over there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. I. You know, it was a for-profit place of learning. I don't she was know. sending it to Nigerian princes. <laughs> you can only assume. But uh, they uh, hop on the bed and we get another banger of a song, The Age of Not Believing, where Charlie is like, I don't believe that any of this will work. And they're all straddling the bed, getting ready. And, you know, while Angela sings, she's like, all right, Paul, twist the knob, turn it on. Let's get this show on the road. And uh, Cosmic Creepers makes a final lunge to kill Charlie and... <laughs> And win the audience's hearts, but Charlie hops on the bed and they take a few hits of LSD. <laughs> and his plot arc kind of ends there. So. Yeah, he does, <laughs> yeah. Well, no, he kind of. Mm, he's in, he's enthusiastic. Really yeah, but you're right. <laughs> he doesn't. No. He doesn't believe. I don't know. Well, I mean, he believes, but in the sense that these things happen. So. Yeah. I, I guess Paul's the only one with an arc. Sort yeah. of. Hmm. Yeah. Maybe in maybe it was cut in post. Much like Eglantine, <laughs> it falls directly to the ground. <laughs> Um, but they hop and they go to this LSD best visual effects winning Academy Award. It is a trip. It is a trip. And they speed through and Grant, you noticed this time that there was bombs. Yeah, there's some uh, laser graphics of uh, <laughs> bombs on there. And then it cuts to like the image of Big Ben and different stuff like that. London Bridge, I think. Yes. What? Tower, you know, I think that's Tower Bridge. There's a difference. I don't. Have you ever been to London? <laughs> I have yeah, not. Yeah, <laughs> I've never been across the pond, no. Mm, I have. So I guess I am the only you one. You saw who the bridge? It. I walked both, yes. I didn't see any witches. I don't believe it. Or poison dragons liver. Did you see any Nazis? No. I did go to Portobello Road, but like I said, it was just a lot of homeless people oh. instead. Well, that's not as fun as what we saw. <laughs> yeah, we had prostitutes on our Portobello Road. Well, uh, all right so anyways they show up to foggy london town and uh, you know angela comments that the nature of the bed always confuses her i I have to bring up that line 
because it's short Angela. As yes, does. it does. As does us all. Um, and uh, they park this bed in the middle of the street, but it also happens to be on wheels, as Gra- Grant brought up for uh, you know convenience sake. Mm-hmm. And uh, we get David David Tomlinson uh, as Professor Emilius Brown, and he's sort of a you know a horn swaddling stage magician, a con artist, if you will, because he's uh, putting on a show for these war torn <laughs> Londoners. Who aren't having it. <laughs> yeah, and they're not having it, and he's trying to put a nail through an unprepared, unprepared paper bag through a frame. Yeah, an, an unprepared nail through an unprepared pane of glass in an unprepared paper bag. Yes, that's three unprepareds. But no dice. No dice. And, um, you know, they eventually disperse, and the children try to, um, you know, get him for... Eglantine, Mrs. Price. Yeah, but, they, sub- uh, they subdue him successfully. <laughs> well, no, first he offers a Paul, and we learn that he's like a cheapskate, like something to whistle with. Yeah. And it just turns out to be like a useless bit of plastic. And, you know, Paul feels cheated. And then Eglantine surely realizes that she's made a mistake <laughs> and come too far. <laughs> like, oh, surely this isn't the man. But uh, it turns out to be, she uh, says, uh, take me to this book. I need to find the last spell. They work. It's like your crazy old woman. I don't want to deal with any of this. She goes, children, sick him, boys, sick him. And they, they latch onto him and she turns him into a rabbit. Yeah. And then he knows for sure that <laughs> the magic, magic is in fact They do real. exist. <laughs> Just like the M&Ms. They are, in fact, <laughs> they are in fact real spells. Um, so they're, they're looking for this book and it turns out that he found the book in this place that he's been squatting at, which is this mansion. And yet again, they get another drug trip on the bed and park outside this mansion to realize that there's a um, a dud bomb in the front yard. So people have evacuated and, you know, Amelius Brown looks at it as a good fortune because it's the only time that he gets to live as a king since everyone's been out of the, the town yeah. in this creepy McMansion mm-hmm. that they spend too much time in. And they're just eating cheese and wine. <laughs> but we do get a nice uh, musical number out of it. Oh, Yes. While the children are snooping in like the, the ghostly Victorian manner, yeah. touching all these creepy toys, that you know is the next Annabelle in there probably. Mm-hmm. No, there were a few. Yeah, there was a there was a child size you know yeah, porcelain thing. <laughs> well, back in that day, in the seventies, <laughs> <laughs> the boomer times. Well, anyway, as the children are exploring the house, uh, Eglantine and Doctor Price are. Dr. Price, Dr. Brown. Dr. Oh, you're right. You said Eglantine and Dr. Price. She's a witch, not a doctor. Well, anyway, they start to get it on a little bit. Oh, yeah. There's some ladder choreography that they're doing here. And you're worried for Angela and her beanpole legs falling (laughs) off the whole time. But uh, he reveals this poster and he has a dream of being a great stage magician magician with a, a beautiful assistant. And Angela just happens to be... No, a six out of ten, so pretty good. Six <laughs> out of ten for the forty to sixty year olds. Yeah, for the geriatric demographic. We're sorry, Angela, if you're listening. No, I love Angela. <laughs> I guarantee she's not. Yes, I guarantee she, this will be the thing that kills her. <laughs> we'll kill Angela Lansbury. But um, uh, he asks. Uh, what's her her name? She goes, Miss Price. And he's like, No, your first name, you dipshit. She's like, Oh, Eglantine, Eglantine, Eglantine. Egg. Bet you never thought you were gonna hear a song about Eglantine, did you, Dan? No, I said, Yeah. I mean, and we, I mean, because we, we discussed it already, but I guess that was supposed to be a reveal for the viewers. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, she has a name, Eglantine. <laughs> uh, but this does have the. <laughs> what are, what are, they had audience reeling in their seats. Now we know her name. 
Uh, but I think there's some witty wordplay in this song. There's a lot of rhymes for Eglantine that I was like, my how you shine, you know, you've got to be mine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. List more. <laughs> Thanks, you two. Our, our two hearts have got to combine. Uh, well, you know, uh, Paul's found a book while this musical number is going on. He's constantly obsessed with this book about the Isle of Nabumbu. Yes, and this, uh, this book will play a major role in the plot. Later if you on. pay close attention, you it's may see it pop up. In the Chekhov gun has been placed on the table, <laughs> but not fired. Yep. Chekhov's Island of Nabumbo. Yep. Uh, the well. cloth book. <laughs> yeah, this prop is really high quality. Or well, it's, it's weird quality. Yeah. So he has this picture book, but it's like seems to be made out of felt. Um, <laughs> I don't think it's felt. I think it's like a plastic. Well, I thought it was like some sort of cloth. Mm -hmm. Like, well, in, a, in any case, tapestry. It, it's not the material you would expect a book to be made out. Of. <laughs> I've never read a book. <laughs> I wouldn't know a thing. So uh, Eglantine has turned Mr. Brown into a rabbit, and she's like, "All right, tell me where the book is, please, so we can get this movie on the road. We're not even halfway done yet." The spell book, not the uh, yes. cloth. Book. Yes, the the spell book and uh, rabbit and Dan suggested they put carrot juice on the book. Well, they had to. Yeah, well, this is rabbit actor. Are better actors than the the people. And, that rabbit's on point every time, yeah. so... Who's to say it's the same rabbit, though? It's 70 takes. They probably went through so many rabbits in the 10 years that they've been filming. Just Aww. a lot of cosmic creepers, too. Aww. Hey! I'm just saying. Well, that cat did look kind of gnarled the cat was from the little, world. A little uh, worse for wear. Yeah. Um, so he reveals that it's only the half of the book... And that the rest of the spell, one page is missing. Yeah, because he got into a scrap with the bookseller the and book it ripped in half. He ripped in it clear in half. <laughs> yeah, and the one person got one page, so that's half a book, apparently. But uh, <laughs> he got the uh, the index. <laughs> he got the Cimmerillion. <laughs> <It's dead. laughs> no, the uh, oh, what was it? There is a word for what that part of Lord of the Rings. We'll add it in post. Oh, the appendices. <laughs> the appendices. Okay, add anything in post. I don't you know, know what, what, you're what, saying. what, what, like 90% of the Hobbit trilogy ended up being so. Oh, my, well, <clears> kazoo noise, but we'll yeah, get back. That's, that's, that's a topic for another day. <laughs> well, you know, there's only one place we can find this book, and we get the brilliant transition of Watermelon Road. And it just comes out of nowhere. Watermelon Road. You could buy anything on Portobello Road. Anything? Anything. Anything <sighs> that a chap can unload. So, okay. <laughs> Another sexual innuendo. Right. So is someone like who's not familiar with, like, London, you keep saying that you, you saw what was used as, like, Portobello Road. Like, is it... Is it Dan, it wasn't actually Portobello Road in the movie. No, I'm but... no, I'm saying like what. Oh well, they sell it... things. Okay, that's yeah, a, no, that's all I was saying. <laughs> that's all I was saying. You know, I don't know if it was no, a shifty. It's, a, it's, a different, if... little, it's like Covent Garden. It's like different shops mm -hmm. around. Yeah, where there are actual like street merchants. Yeah, hmm. yeah, they have little tables that you sit up. Dancing I bought soldiers. a key. <laughs> I bought a little key. A key. A key. <laughs> where did it go? To? Because <laughs> my heart, I guess. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I'm with no luck. I'm musical. <laughs> shut up. <laughs> but anyways, they're going through Portobello Road, and Miss Price is just trying to find this damn book, and everyone and their sister is getting in her way. She's like, "Can I please find this book?" And like, oh, we've got the Till of the Huns autobiography. We've got a you know a Downton Abbey movie companion book. <laughs> what do you want? And uh, we got the, some manga. We got some manga. <laughs> All right. Side note, if I just because I like to, I like to add this, we gotta I gotta if I'm yeah, uh, guest starring from the uh, from the anime podcast here. <laughs> anime um, was my, not a mistake. My buddy sent me <laughs> a, a Snapchat uh, from Yale recently. We have a fan uh, that goes to Yale, <laughs> and he 
he found the Yale Library's editions of Evangelion, <laughs> and they're they're bound in like a very formal seventies like like I, I don't know what you know so you would look like look it's like the dictionaries on the side of the shelves. So they have a very professional, astute copy of Evangelion at Yale. Future. So you know so you can sit there with your cigar and whiskey and just yeah enjoy it. But uh, and. Hmm. In the war-torn streets of Portobello Road, what do the people do but dance and sing? <laughs> no problems on Portobello Road. No problems, except there's a lot of... Uh, um, Unfortunate stereotypes? Uh, yes, that did not age well. And they're not bad, they're just obvious. Yeah. And, you know, it's yeah. like, you know... It's, it's kind of old-timey. Like, yeah, they get musical themes that are like, if you're Asian, you get like a beady bong. <laughs> and I'm pretty sure as was they did a lot like when we got to like I, I would assume like the Middle Eastern troops it was like dudes painted in the oh, yeah. capacity they like it was dudes. it was yeah. like it was what they would you know they would do for like Native Americans in movies and stuff so I mm-hmm. yeah it might have been the same dancers for every scene but like yeah. <laughs> just switched Even out those old ladies <laughs> come on ducks come on gals and you know they're still searching uh, Carrie is looking she's got jewels on like the Queen of Sheba Charlie breaks a couch and Paul's just eating uh, I forget what it is, but just cockles like cockles and oh yeah, just <laughs> cockles, <laughs> oysters, clams, and cockles. Oh, I missed that show. Remember when that show was good? That was a funny episode. There's a remix online that's pretty funny with oysters, clams, and cockles. Well, that's another episode of the disappointment. <laughs> you don't like that episode? No. Well, Game of Thrones. Oh well, yeah. The, the end. Yeah. But oh well. I like that episode. Yeah. I like this movie more than the end of Game of Thrones. Well, I, I think we can all agree on that. I mean, it's a close race. But <laughs> this one just ekes out. Well, this had heart, so <laughs> what, what can you say? But no drag. A poison dragon's liver. <laughs> um, but Angela is joining in in the merriment and the dances. She eventually goes, you know, oh, fuck it. I'll when in Rome. <laughs> I'll dance. And uh, eventually, you know, the day ends and the people return home to their hovels <laughs> to eat some... The, the, the copper comes yeah. in clears him out yeah rings his bell and clears him out and we get a <laughs> that's all the fun for today yeah, we get a set <laughs> that just ends very sad like the children are lost on the streets um and then we meet Stet. it's not steadman it's like something like that some goon. some some goon. Wall, yeah the waluigi <laughs> so, with a loud tie yeah. a loud meet, meet the tie. robinson's top hat guy oh, yes <laughs> Um, and he comes and he's like, the bookman's been looking for you. Yeah, the bookman? Yeah, he's like got a, unfinished business with you. He's got mob ties. The bookman. Yeah, and, uh, you know, he tries to sell, um, Mr. Brown a watch. And then he pulls out a butter knife. <gasps> and we get, like, the sting. Oh, you've got my attention now. So they decide to go to this bookman. But this is my favorite gag where they just push this book down the <laughs> stairs and it rams into the wall. And this bookman is just sitting... In his, like, mob den. Yeah, his like, opium the, den. He's like, what the fuck? Yeah. And surrounded by moldy books. And this isn't an intimidating... It's like an owl man. Like, well, it's like this book mafia. Mob boss guy. <laughs> the book mafia. Yeah. I mean, from Seinfeld, you remember, you remember Bookman, the library yeah, cop, Bookman, right? Yeah, the library cop. Yeah, well, this, is, this is, like, the inverse of... This is a Bookman who's Bookman villainous. The, li- the library villain. <laughs> yeah, so... I feel like there's more story to this guy. Like, he's collecting artifacts and shit in a basement in well, London. and I, you know. Bookman spinoff is what we Well, Grant, yeah, you I, had a theory that would add to this, oh, wouldn't you? Well, all right. So, the whole reason the Bookman is uh, 
collecting uh, Miss Price there is to get the second half of this book because he's after the same spell that she's after. So I thought it would be kind of interesting. You know, I'm like, hey, why does Bookman want this spell? We know why Angela wants this spell. Why does <laughs> Bookman want this spell? She want wants to make spell? a shoe tap dance. And uh, <laughs> I think it would be interesting if Bookman was like a Nazi uh, sympathizer mm -hmm. or whatever and yeah. wants the spell to help out the uh, Hitler's the occult, yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. but we never really explore that much of Bookman's motivations. No, so <laughs> that's something for that's the fanfic. That. Yeah, <laughs> we'll have to leave it there. <laughs> that's my own uh, fan well, theory. Well, yeah. As Jonathan kept pointing out, we, I mean, usually, <laughs> usually when Nazis are involved in movies like this, they are after something magical. But this time, like this time they weren't. They weren't aware of what was. <laughs> They got they got the wool pulled over their eyes this time, but, <laughs> like got the, so, but the pants beat off. <laughs> um, but you know the bookman is there and he's like, "I've got half of my book, you've got your half. Let's switch." And they read and it's like, "Don't forget to drink your <laughs> Ovaltine." They're like, "Shit!" The spell is not there. So but why no. is it not there? Well, it's on. It's inscribed on the Star of Astaroth, which yes. is not included in this book of spells <laughs> by by Astaroth himself. Yeah. So, uh, and so. Astaroth, a very famous musician in this realm that we live in. Apparently so. They couldn't afford Merlin, <laughs> <laughs> but he, he's a dark wizard. A dark, here, dark. So. <laughs> he is a dark wizard. Anyway, um, Bookman <laughs> treats us to a little uh, uh, story about Astaroth, how he kept yeah. animals and. Somehow the animals rebelled, killed Astroth, and then went on a ship to their own island, I guess. The island of Nabumbo. And then we get the name drop of nobody knows the island of Nabumbo to exist. And <laughs> I'm a and, geography teacher. I know for a fact <laughs> there is no Isle of Nabumbo. <laughs> well, anyway, enter Paul. <laughs> For the for the modern listeners out there, that was a Charlie and the Chocolate Factory reference. Yeah, for the modern listeners. Yes. That's it. Also old in the seventies. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, enter Paul with the clock. <laughs> it's like the tour guide book. It's like here you go. It's your book. He's like. Well, you can take over from oh, He's like, oh, I got the Blumen Star Astral right here. I do a Sydney book. And they're like, oh, no, we don't know that. He then points out the island. No, I mean, he knows it, but he doesn't yeah. say it aloud. And they don't and listen to him. Everyone's like, shut the fuck yeah, up. Yeah, I know, right? So he does know, but he's like, oh, the island of the is right here in the book, it is. And they're like, let the child speak. <laughs> And they're like, now you opened your gob. <laughs> so he reveals that, and the bookman's like, give me the book, child. And Eglantine's like, we got a book in here. Hop on the bed, children. I guess this is like the only copy of the island of Nabumbo that's ever been created. <laughs> and published. And yeah. Who was this family that lived in this house? <laughs> I, well... It's it's all unclear. Yeah. We have a lot of a lot of questions. A lot of loose ends. Well, who was the ill-fated human who stumbled across the island of the Bumbo, wrote a book about it, or recounted that murdered. story to someone else who then wrote the children's book about it? Just too many layers. Too many layers to unpack here. I want, I want the next Disney reboot to be about the island of the Bumbo. Oh. The dark and gritty three hour. <laughs> uh, the Tim Burton. The bookman pulls out a big knife, a better knife. Tries to, well, they don't make an attempt to stab these people because the doors are locked, but they hop on the bed and skedaddle out, and the bookman and his goon are left none the wiser to where they are. Close act one. <laughs> Open act two, <laughs> and they're not flying, they are said crashing 
into the animated <laughs> lagoon of Nabumbu. We're not falling. <laughs> We're <laughs> crashing. <laughs> and uh, they splash down at a velocity that Grant pointed out should have killed them and liquid well, ice. They, they, <laughs> they plunge like miles yeah, down, down into the... They can also breathe just fine under the water, but we presume yeah. that's the magic of the bin. Yep. <laughs> they leave the bin. <laughs> <laughs> Only to dance, Dan. We suspend disbelief for a moment. Is it non-diagenic? Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, the animation in this scene isn't bad. No, it's, it's like... Kind of a, 2D animation. Yeah, it's kind of like a Mary Poppins style. Uh, kind of, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, it's the same sort Jolly of... Jolly Holiday, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. Same sort of stuff. Yep. They float around, they meet some cool fish friends, <laughs> and then they return to the surface uh, where... Well, no, hold on. We, we skipped that whole dance number where Angela's doing flips like she said. Oh, uh, oh and the stunt up. Crouching tiger and dragon. <laughs> but she does do a good job and is clearly a stunt double. But Angela does get a few moves in and, you know. It's a cute song. Okay, then... yeah. Well, okay for the for the context, because we we kind of it, 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 oh, there's it, a dance. Club yeah, they they go into this this fish nightclub that's yes. having a dance contest, and what they're referring to is a is a like a wire fight esque dance number yes. uh, between uh, Professor Brown and uh, Eglantine Price. Price. <laughs> you know, and uh, I mean, they weren't the only ones who were wet during this scene. Hey, oh, <laughs> the sexual tension, <laughs> the chemistry between them. Steamy, um, but we get this scary sting when this fish hook descends, and it plays. It's like, <laughs> like, yeah. like, are the children going to die? Like, what's going to happen? The the bed is pulled asunder as Angela it's, swims. It's, uh, it's hooked. It's pulled up. <laughs> it's and, uh, the hooks. <laughs> it's hooked, and I'm spooked. <laughs> Angela and uh, other uh, boy, the rest. Other man. <laughs> Professor Brown swim up in a frenzy. I just think of like the nutty professor when we say Professor Brown. What? 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 Nothing. I don't know. Well, anyway, they're they're hauled onto shore and meet um, a. He doesn't even have a name. He's just like Sailor. He's he's, he's Baloo. He's he's the same model. It's It's the reskin. No, he's little John. He's little, little John. John. He's got the little shirt. Yeah, like, a, like no pants. Just no fans, you decide. <laughs> no, I, I agree with Grant. He's little John from Robin Hood. Um, uh, but he's a well, sailor bear. He's a sailor bear. Another with... another innuendo. A bear sailor. Come on now. Well, for the modern viewer, but <laughs> maybe not for the audiences of 1972. Mm. Um, but even so, no. <laughs> they knew what they were doing. <laughs> Anyway, this uh, <laughs> this bear is not the the brightest bulb on the tree, um, and uh, it's the, almost Christmas. The, <laughs> I hope this goes up around Christmas. <laughs> the children trick him into taking uh, taking the whole group to see the king. Yeah, even though no peopling's allowed. Oh right, no peopling is allowed. We're we're <laughs> introduced to the idea that no peopling is allowed on the island of the Bumbo. Only animaling. Only yeah. <laughs> Four legs go two legs, but but they walk on two legs. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but they go to meet the king. The king is a, a very angry soccer playing lion, and very loud, and he sounds like a pirate. Yeah, kind of inexplicably, he talks like a pirate. And his lines are very badly dubbed in. Yeah, compared to everyone else's. Mm-hmm. 
They have like a like a weird echo effect yeah. to them, which Maybe I guess they is did like that he's... for like the loud. Yeah, yeah, but but he he says like har 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 and <laughs> matey and is he in the like, room? It's like a One Piece <laughs> king. That's like, it. Like, he's like obviously like a pirate, but he's just a lion in a soccer uniform mm-hmm. with a crown. Yeah, and it's very confusing. Yeah, but... he's he's upset that you know the championship game couldn't go on today, and you know he's very upset over that. But and enter Dr. Amelius <laughs> Brown, Brown, who also played soccer for Manchester United. <laughs> well, so he says. Yes. I think he's uh, maybe... He's fibbing, you think? I, well, it could be. I, <laughs> I'm sure I don't know his full backstory. <laughs> Next to Tommy Santa isn't real. <laughs> but he agrees to play in these animals' stead or act as referee, um, which he does. And there's two teams, yellow versus blue. And is it? It's not predator versus prey because the hippos could basically no. take any of these animals. I don't think it's that. Yeah, there's a rhino on and a gorilla. No, but they're not. They're not predators. Oh, okay. <laughs> they don't eat no. other animals. I don't, I don't think. So. This is before. Who eats all? <laughs> <laughs> but but it was at this point that uh, Grant and Jonathan, uh, one one of you, brought up uh, diving. <laughs> Oh, so, no, yeah. oh god or we lost our shit flopping whatever you want to call no, it's it diving. taking no, a dive well no the soccer game goes on and it's uh it's uh quite a scene but uh i noticed that there was not as much diving as in a regular soccer match and uh it's just the over exaggerated i tap you on the shoulder yeah, and you like, scream aghast we lost our shit for yeah. a consecutive like 30 minutes in this and it's okay because this soccer scene goes on far too long. Yeah, it's, it, it is. And uh, it's just a needless back and forth and a constant trampling of uh, mm-hmm. Mr. Brown. Mm-hmm. Oh, poor Mr. Brown. He gets trampled as uh, the children and Angela just watch yeah. from the sidelines like, well, he is moving still. Well, they are powerless to stop it. <laughs> no magic. <laughs> no magic. No magic. <laughs> Only magic can defeat magic. Um, but they eventually end the game mm-hmm. and... Uh, uh, Dr. Brown does the old gypsy switch <laughs> and switches the star of Astroth with his whistle. And, uh, you know, Angela Lansbury's acting and she's like, I think we ought to get out of here, don't you? And uh, they wander back and uh, they realize that they've been tricked. <laughs> and then they um, chase after them and try to stop the bed. You know, the knob is stuck in Paul's pocket. <laughs> pants. <laughs> the knob is stuck in me pants. <laughs> I was waiting to make that. <laughs> yeah, and uh, you know she does the the spell, but to turn him into a rabbit, the the king, and it doesn't work out, and she yet again bumbles that. But they escape yes. successfully and, and return uh, home. Return back to live action. <laughs> <laughs> yes, and uh, they're home. They put the push the bed up against the wall, and uh, she goes, "I gotta get to work right away." So she takes out an old pair of shoes and goes, "Professor." You have the Star of Astaroth, and little do they realize they can't bring an animated object into the real world. Enter Paul. Yeah, it was supposed to be our world. But though. it is our world, as Dan <laughs> says. Like, Well, yeah, that has major implications, because they went into some sort of pocket dimension. dimension. With... <laughs> like, if you say a fictional place, will it take you to that? I mean, it, it's a lot of, it is a lot of implication, because... Did the island exist because they willed it? <laughs> That's where I would go on my knob. <laughs> but yes, it does offer a lot of implications like where, how. I know it's a child's movie. Oh, no. Alligators don't run that fast on land, we forgot to mention. These are some prime theories we're coming up here. Uh, but 
you know, they realize that's done, and and Eglantine's like, well, I better just hang up my hat here and call an early retirement. So they start making dinner at first, and then they're talking, and then Paul's like, but I have the words right here. They're like, oh, shut up, Paul. You don't, you don't, <laughs> know, up, you don't Paul. know what you're talking about. And he goes, what do you mean, like, Traguna Macoides Tracorum Satis D? <gasps> Traguna Macoides Tracorum Satis D? The very same. Where'd you get that? That right here, me book day is. Plain as the nose in my face. It turns out that the Mistakes star were. of Astroth was actually just one page in the Island of Nabumbo uh, picture book that Paul has in his possession. So they could have saved themselves that whole uh, adventure. $20 million of animation. Oh, and whoever the poor fellow was who wrote and illustrated that book must have gotten a close enough look at the king to <laughs> to have read the star before his untimely demise, presumably. Again, but I... <laughs> again, these are more uh, fan theories that we can discuss in, in detail. In detail. And on the next viewing. On the in the boards. anniversary. <laughs> yeah. on the, the next five-year anniversary. The follow-up supplement. <laughs> yeah. On our deathbeds, we have to be like, watch it when everyone dies. <laughs> and alternate passing it between us. The Blu-ray copy. Um, but they get substitutionary locomotion to work in a jazzy, spiritual, soft shoe number, right? Mm-hmm. In the, the most spirited musical number of the film. And uh, all of Angela Lansbury's outfits are coming to life and trying to murder the residents of the home. Even her undies. Her nightgown, yes. Yeah, yeah like 40s undies. Like, like bloomers and everything else. <laughs> oh, Hold yeah, like your horses, we're getting to our laundry soon. Don't worry, they could pop up a little bit later if you want to stick around, audience. I don't know if I do. <laughs> I will. But, uh, and then this priest shows up, and he doesn't even have... A, he has two lines in the whole movie, and he almost gets yeah. murdered by a nightgown, and then goes yeah. off on his bike. Yeah, he shows up for some reason. I think he was going to check on the... Well, check on the children, as he said. <laughs> Which, to the modern viewer, might be a little strange yes. for a priest to do. But, like, because, I mean, you you made, like, the joke or, like, that he might have been, like, a cut part. Like, it feels no, like he, he was, was a cut he, part. Yeah, like I it, think there was a lot of cut things, because there was a song that Mr. Brown had that some of the lead scenes that was yeah. also cut. Um, but, yeah. Because it, it, like it feels like a priest would come in conflict with a with a witch, but maybe they, they didn't, maybe that was a little too dark or, yeah. I think at the time, probably this movie was already, like, three hours long. <laughs> <laughs> we needed to cut something. <laughs> what had... subplot can we... <laughs> We can't get rid of the Nabumbo sequence for sure. We can We already spent too much on And the bookman one. has to stay. <laughs> like he can't bookman and his goon. Thank God. And the creepy nursery has to be there too. Um, but they put the songs together and then they all laugh when it's all resolved. And we get this scary Angela laugh when they're having dinner together. And, you know, Mr. Brown is juggling and it falls on like this vat of gravy that goes into his face. And we get Angela like laughing maniacally at the camera. Oh, like... <laughs> Like scared, yeah. Her eyes her are just eyes are always like, open, her unblinking. Eyes are like dead, but yeah. the rest of her yeah, face, face is, is laughing, so it's really strange. It's like an old woman from like uh, I don't even know, Insidious or something. It's coming out of the screen. Um, but we get some somber news when the the old mother of the town, whatever her name may be, shows up and she's like, "Oh, the farmers down the lane, they could take the kids for you. We're packing them up in the morning." She's like, "But I've learned how to." No, not yet. <laughs> I've learned so much. And, uh, you know, Mr. Brown gets cold feet. He goes, well, really, I should be going. Who, who am I kidding? Who could ever love 
but also understandable because again he is like a like a like a street musician like magician who like they met like two hours ago so like are you gonna be our but dad had a correspondence stan <laughs> yeah so it, it might be a little it might be a little you know the thrust upon him you're our new father so like i don't know well, well, the, the kids like carrie is in tears like only one who could really cry paul is like so you're a new dad right and then charlie is like a little bit gruff but like you know he's not gonna show it yeah he's not gonna show it but they do clearly want to be there, but he goes down to the, the train station to await the next train to London, mm-hmm. and Miss um, Price retires to Spinsterhood, <laughs> and then the movie doesn't end, unfortunately. There's still more to go. Well, next we get the next conflict. Yes, because late at night, when the moon comes out, there's a U-boat in the sea nearby, and the Nazis take the shore. <gasps> and they, they presumably kill this one old dude. Presumably. We don't see him again, so yeah. we're allowed to assume. Did he die of old age? <laughs> Maybe, but in any case, he's not... We don't see him again, so... Yeah, yeah. He, even if... I don't think we see them shoot him. We just... He easily gets shoved or, like, like No, he gets, the, he gets the old, like... <laughs> hand, hand over the mouth. Hand yeah. yeah. The mouth and so, an old and snake. <laughs> by, like, magic Disney movie rules, he's probably just in a bush. So. Or he came back later <laughs> on in the film in a different way. Um... So the Nazis invade, and Mrs. Price is sticking out cosmic creepers. She shuts the door in the Nazis' faces and runs to the phone. She's like, hello? 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 When the lines are clearly cut, but she's still like, like you're a witch. <laughs> like, I feel Harry Potter. Are you a witch or not? Oh, yeah, that's right. I am. But um, she uh, is constantly on the phone, and that's something about like the British mentality to me. Like, I've got to depend on you know, the higher-ups, our government, and whatnot to... To settle out these Nazis. No one got that emotion but me? Uh, no, but I'm not, I'm not as in tune to British no, sensibilities. Very, okay. There's, a, like, a very lack of emotion, you know, where mm. Americans would be like, oh, shit, off the handle. <laughs> get the yeah, get the gun out. Um, they're very lax when it comes to this. But also yeah. these Nazis, and I can't believe I'm saying this on the podcast... Not the worst Nazis in any portrayal. No, no I was gonna, I was coming out. They're more of like a like an inconvenience well, in this they movie. They say they're not even there to kill anyone. Well, yeah. So hold on. So their their whole purpose of this invasion is just to cause That's mischief, mischief by so their words. Say. Yeah. So again, it's like it's like that Saturday morning like cartoon trouble of a, like the bad butt. Like they're 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 doing. They're obviously no, they're Nazis. Evil, they're yes, evil, yes. but they're just doing a stupid thing Wait. on this occasion. Like we're not. Don't kill anybody. <laughs> don't shoot anybody. We're here to scare them. Yeah. <laughs> so like, it's, that's it. Like, that's I, you know. Who's boss? But uh, they eventually take over this house and kind of use it as a base of operations with the children and uh, Miss Price in tow um, at the train tracks. <laughs> Uh, Mr. Brown is having a lucid dream of Eglantine and some bathing wear on the, the rail line. Well, he's dreaming of Eglantine as the assistant in his show. Yes. And it's a, a bit sensual. Yes. I did not pick up on that. That is a detail oh, I did you, not notice. Well, you didn't pick up After tonight. two viewings. Your homework tonight is to rewatch the movie again. <laughs> I didn't realize he was the, she was the poster woman. I did not... I yes, did not, she is, she, except she's a, a... Damn it. She's a brunette in the poster. Hmm. <laughs> Yeah, he's uh, wearing a kind of a bathing suit sort a one of thing. Piece. A one piece and mm-hmm. uh, a feather headdress. <laughs> Back to her old days, yeah. Angela Lansbury is a show. how many takes it took for Angela to get that <laughs> to keep her balance. She, <laughs> she seemed to be a little yeah. uneven there. But. Doing it for the paycheck. Um, but he wakes up and these two Nazis are cutting the, the phone line, but 
he chases them into the rail station and then biffs them and presumably murders two nazis with milk jugs yeah but they, yeah, they fall onto the rails yeah. whether or not they're still there when the milk train comes yep. <laughs> we don't know but yeah and he breaks into the house eglantine's house to try and get her but realizes she's been taken somewhere else and to find some spells but cosmic creepers gives him away and he tries to strangle poor cosmic creepers puts his hand around this cat's neck and gives it a good throttle yeah and uh you know he he locks himself in the basement finds the uh the bunny spell does it on himself and escapes yeah well this is kind of a turning point for dr yeah. uh dr brown dr. here brown. because uh he's realized that he oh, is a bit natural doc brown because uh <laughs> morty <laughs> morty no marty oh you, so you said morty no well it's marty in no, the, yeah yeah no, marty. 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 marty marty we gotta go back <laughs> your kids marty i'm just gonna be done about your kids <laughs> anyway uh old doc brown uh was able to perform the the spell on himself proving that he too has some sort of magical ability and good facial facial movements which which does beg the question how uh professor like he he started this whole con in the first place like if he if he if he like just wrote like put like a like an ad out mm-hmm. that i can teach you magic <laughs> and then like unsuspecting people, people yeah. like i want to know how many other it's a real producers it's like yeah are. and he right. sent them real harry potter the English <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he subscribed <laughs> J.K. Rowling was one of those. <laughs> then she made this magical book series. But uh, they're being held up in a place full of weapons, the old museum. Mm-hmm. And they're just alone in here with all these vacant suits of armor. And, you know, Miss Price can't remember the spell for no reason. She can't remember four words. Yeah. And these Nazis almost kill this bunny, but the bunny gets through the bars. I do like how they're trying to shove Paul out the bars. <laughs> he could clearly fit. Well, okay, but the Nazis, the one Nazi goes to shoot the bunny, but the other one stops because him because he's like, no, we're not here to do that. <laughs> no, I think it'll be too loud because the oh, rest okay. of town okay. is just asleep, mm-hmm. like until later on. I guess that makes sense. They don't even notice yeah, what don't, happens they, next. They, they don't notice any kind of hubbub going on in the town. <laughs> Very old people. They right, that, their hearing aids in. That does make sense. Okay. Is <laughs> Angela Lansbury the youngest person in town? Maybe. She's like the sexy young person on her motorbike, causing a scene. Yeah, she's the young rebel of the, the town <laughs> with her motorbike. Why didn't she enchant the motorbike to fly? Like I found out. <laughs> Well, yeah, and then yeah. You know, presumably he sent her the formula for like sulfur fuel, whatever it was that she oh, was yeah. powering it with. Yeah, How many? Th- <laughs> what else has he sent yeah, right? to people? Like... <laughs> I wonder if uh, Aglantine Price was the the origination of Hagrid. Yeah, the, the inspiration for Hagrid. Perhaps. She She's too got, looks she, like an old giant. No, she's got a sidecar in her uh, her motorbike. Like, here's a, a fact for the modern viewers. <laughs> most motorbikes have sidecars. I wouldn't say most motorbikes have sidecars. Well, for those parcels. Viewers, what do you think? Viewers, what do you think? Cast your votes now. We'll put a poll on Twitter. Anyways, let's get this movie over with, shall we? Our podcast is about to be as long as the movie itself. What are we at? An hour 18. Yeah, the mic has not been on this entire <laughs> No, it's on and fine. Um, anyways, they get the spell, and Mr. Brown gives Eglantine the confidence that she needs to finally do the spell, and she does really badass, you know, Draguna, McCoytes, Dracorum, St. D. And slowly but surely, we hear a thump, 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 you know, as the Nazis are getting ready. And uh, 
turns out all the suits of armor from all the decades of uh, of Pepper and Jai history have come Mm -hmm. to life. And it is a a genuinely impressive scene. It's pretty Mm -hmm. cool. Yeah, Yeah, it's good. I enjoyed it a lot as a child, and I enjoy it now. Yep. Um, But anyway. And plenty of shenanigans ensue. They do try to pump these suits full of lead, only to realize that you can't shoot ghosts (laughs) or spirits or... Just moving objects. Ghouls. Yes. Because these moving objects do act like human beings. So, yeah. like, is she reanimating the dead? I don't, I don't know. No, I Recalling just, the spirits from the afterlife. She's making um, inanimate objects come to life. Mm. But I don't know what their mm. sentience is. I wonder what my pants would say if they could come to life. That was the Jimmy Neutron lot. special. <laughs> I mean, that was the Jimmy Neutron special. Someday we'll do that. <laughs> <laughs> The far off future, yes, Dan. <laughs> Season eight of anime was not a mistake mm-hmm. after we get to Pirates of the Caribbean, <laughs> which we will do. We will we swear. Pirates of the Caribbean. You know yeah. it, baby. Woo. <laughs> Are you going to invite? We're going to try and Skype you in yeah. eventually. Huh. Do you have to get the magic of the wireless? I don't know how to do that, but if you can help we'll figure it the out. NASA we'll engineer among us, you can figure <laughs> it out if anyone. Uh, so these suits of armors come to life and they're butt kicking and, and throttling and trampling all around the town. And who's that against the moon but none other than Eglin, Eglantine Price with a little flag in her. Leading the charge. Spill Nazi blood! Make the white cliffs of Dover red with the blood of the Nazis! <laughs> Much like Gandalf leading a charge, the charge into uh, Helm's Deep. <laughs> <laughs> or whatever it was. I think it was Helm's Deep. Right? Yeah. Well, yeah, no, yeah, it was Helm's Deep because he comes over the mountain. <laughs> like, was that Helm's Deep? Yeah, that, it was because uh, Helm's Deep was that was that was two nerds. towers, right? Yeah, two towers. <laughs> yeah. Okay. And Aragorn does the one the, okay, at the yeah, yeah right. at Mount Doom. Nerds. Or whatever. Now back to our bed now. <laughs> <laughs> Find a room, you two. The Dunbarrow. <laughs> you are free. <laughs> it's the same thing. It's, it really is. So what right. I don't like is uh, Eglantide's tactics in this battle because she keeps herself very wide open. And no one realizes to shoot her until the very when she dips out of like these <laughs> artillery. She's like, gotta dip. Uh, these artillery shells. Um, presumably, if you kill the witch, the magic ends. Mm-hmm. Uh, but these Nazis don't seem to know that. They're running off to the boats. Uh, and the old home guard is finally like, oh, they're coming. We need to get our guns and shoot at them. But uh, before they go, you know, Eglantine has to showboat. She's like, well, Captain, seems like you're a bit busier than you thought. <laughs> and... Clearly, her showboating sends her in the wrong direction because they blow up her fucking house and send her spiraling spiraling into, like, a tree. And no one's concerned for her. We're like, is she dead? Because the magic ends. Oh, but they don't blow up her whole house because her house is really huge. No, they, well, they blow up a chunk of it. Yeah, they blow up the stuff where she was keeping her magic stuff. (laughs) Just the magic. Because at the end, we see them in her intact house, but she lost her magic shed. Oh, that's right. It's so it's just it's just her odds and ends like the dragon's liver and. <laughs> if only women could file better, then you know she'd be oh, able yeah, to. Yeah, we missed that one. No, we didn't. Well, yes, we did, but I brought it up. Mm. Yeah, there's a, a jab at women being no good at filing papers. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Some so it's, it's the '70s pretending to be the '40s. I don't know. <laughs> yep. Uh, but Eglantine is a okay. The old home guard chases off the rest of the Nazis. And she realizes that she wasn't really a good witch the whole time, so it's okay that her magic is gone. Yeah, so this is kind of the most puzzling thing, is that she, like, successfully, um, you know, causes the Nazis to leave. She does the whole thing she was trying to do, and then she's just like, yeah, I didn't think, (laughs) I wasn't really that good at it anyway, so (laughs) screw it. (laughs) I'll find a new hobby. (laughs) 
Yeah, I, you know, what war effort was... Yeah, it was kind of... Yeah, I don't know. By this, you know, again, by movies, this bumbling gang of Nazis, like, we're just, you know, their yeah. their prank was <laughs> thwarted, they were, so... They were, they were just the prank Nazis. <laughs> so, like, yeah, like, that's, that's, all, that's all they did. That's, that's all they did. <laughs> but she, uh, does she settle down? You think she adopts well, these kids? I think it's implied, and then uh, Doc Brown there... Is so inspired that he goes off to join the war effort himself. Yes. And uh, the children weave. The final shot is him marching off to war. And, and Phil Men's work began with the old home guard. <laughs> yes. And in the sequel, we realize that maybe she has to go to war and she enchants some guns to shoot, maybe. Yeah, unfortunately, we never got that sequel. So. No. We Lives can dream. In fan fiction. We can dream eventually. Mm. But then I'll have to play Angela Lansbury because, you know. And she could still play it. Yeah. <laughs> 300 years old. <laughs> she, she still got it. Yeah. It, it'll be the next Disney Plus original movie. <laughs> <laughs> they'll bring her back. Hey, she was in Mary Poppins. She was. Yeah. Well, with that, our uh, episode has come to a close. But before we go, here on Nightcaps, we do like to give something we call the pizza rating. So it's not my idea. It's my fellow podcast host, uh, Matt and Mark. They thought of this rating. It's out of eight slices of pizza, eight being the maximum. Listen, I didn't choose the eight, but eight being the maximum rating you can give a movie. You're going to tell us how many pieces of pizza you give and why. So I guess I'll start off, being that I am the host. Um, I'm going to give it, depends on how drunk I get, anywhere from six to seven slices. Seven probably because there's a... Good fundamentality here in our friend group. This is something mm. that knighted the bonds between us. Yeah. No matter how stupid it is, I don't like how underappreciated it is, but I can understand its flaws and respect people's decisions to say that Mary Poppins is better. But as Grant brought up, is this a more English movie than Mary Poppins? Oh well, in my opinion, it has more of an English. I think it does. Vibe. I think it does too, because all we get in Mary Poppins English, is yeah. like tuppence and banks and yeah and. Uh, Dick Van Dyke's uh, <laughs> accent. Amalgamation of an accent. Oh, and all those children, they're from different regions here, so I don't know what they're doing. Some Disney magic, but seven out of eight pizza slices. Hmm. That's what I'll give bed knobs and broomsticks. Mm-hmm. Seven taps on the bed knob knob with pizza. I would give it a solid six and a half slices Ooh. of pizza. Wow. For the same reasons you mentioned. <laughs> I can uh, recognize it has some flaws, but it... Holds a dear place in my heart. Mm. Bed knobs and broomsticks. Yep. And, uh, I do enjoy it. Yes. I. Uh, I'm gonna go with the. One. I'm gonna go with no. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with six out of eight pizzas. Wow. Six. And I, I have the least invested in this game. <laughs> I do. You know, I I don't I don't suppose I you know my emotional attachment. He'll be watching it when we're gone. No, of course, yeah. Bring the little TV to the to the crypts or whatever. Um, but it was uh you know like. Aside from enjoying it, because watch it with you guys, I, you know, I can recognize that it, it is just a good kids movie. Like, I just, I, I think it works well as, I mean, we laugh at the goofiness, but if you're a kid watching this, I could see it being a very quality kids movie. Yeah. And the end scene, I think, is one of those, yeah. if more people watched this movie, I think that scene would be, you know, between how it's presented and the music, even, because mm-hmm. it kind of gets drowned out by, like, the, the bickering and the... <laughs> Like the the, the fighting gags, and the yeah. you know stuff going on, but there is actually a pretty banging music track yeah, going on behind Jamuda. that scene. Yeah, I mean, no joke. I think the final 
emotional scene there is actually me too cool. i think it's very like black cauldron-esque like yeah. a little bit dark it's not nearly as dark yeah, i mean it's but, not but it's dark it's, it's towing the it, line it's, yeah. it's 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 a cool scene yeah it's, yeah, it's uh, true. solid effects i think yeah and as a medieval nerd i appreciate it mm-hmm. yeah. pretty good so all right with that our I will call this episode of Nightcaps to adjourn, but before we go, is there anywhere that our audience can find you all on social media? No. <laughs> you could find Grant at NASA. Yes. Somewhere. Somewhere. Yep. Uh, mine's not in- as impressive as NASA, but uh, you can find me on Instagram as uh, at King underscore Danis, where I post artwork when I can. <laughs> Yeah, you can find me, Jonathan Krakowski, at Losing My Mind JK on Instagram, Drink and Read JK on Twitter, and my other podcast I co-host with Dan, Anime Was Not a Mistake. Uh, currently in our season three, watching Over the Garden three. Wall. Yeah, uh, three now. Season three, yeah, Over the Garden Wall. Story arc wise, yeah. Yeah, and then our season four is coming up real soon. Dan's got something gargantuan mm, planned. Very excited, <laughs> very excited. <laughs> oh. You can also that. check out uh, Mothra. Maybe. <laughs> don't spoil. Yeah, don't spoil to the listeners that have lasted an hour and 30 minutes into this podcast. Well, with that, I guess the only way we could take out this episode is with a Traguna McCoytes. Tracorum Satisti. Let's all chant together. Three, two, one. Traguna McCoytes. Tracorum Satisti. Alright, you bunch of movie-loving booze hounds, it's last call. You heard me last call. What do you mean? Who do you think you are? It's me, Jonathan Kwiatkowski, your resident nightcaps at the theater co-host, bartender, movie podcast curator, and pretentious cinema snob. Nightcaps at the theater? Yeah, that's right. Oh, you heard of it. Well then, friend, let me top you off. It's thanks to people like you that this little show of ours can make it into the final reel week to week. How else could Mark fund his Funko Pop addiction? Or Mac create a new internet handle every episode to avoid the FBI? We can't thank you lovelies enough, but why not keep the party going? Do you want to have a conversation on campy cult classics, question foreign flicks, or massacre movie monstrosities? Then look no further. Reach out to us on social media. You can follow our humble little podcast on Facebook and Instagram at Nightcap Cinema. And if you aren't listening to us on iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher, Pocket Cast, whatever, and rating, reviewing, and for goodness sake, subscribing, well then, we might have to tell Aunt Ida to put some cha-cha heels on to kick your ass. I think I talked your ear off enough, though. But put that wall away. This last nightcap is on us. Thank you.